Welcome to Love Lighthouse Podcast and to the broadcast today with me, Vicky Elizabeth Semple. In parenthesis, HM, Vicky Elizabeth Semple just says what I need to say anyway. Humbly so, yet exalted. Thanks to God, I do not do it to myself. It was given to me. Ordained in this way and named by God and my parents. Thank you. All right, so let's get started with the broadcast today. Welcome to Love Lighthouse Podcast. <clears throat> Alright, I'm going to get started with the first piece of scripture. And in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should have the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, it sounds like these apostles, um, you know, increased or helped to increase the word of God and that that's what they were duty-bound to do. But on the other hand, it sounds like they were duty-bound to help in the daily ministration, that of the widows. And what I think it is, is that, yes, they did. Um they helped to serve the widows through the ministering of the word of God. So through bringing the word of God, which would then take over for the the male's duty, the normal male duty of that of a husband when he was alive would be there to direct and to guide his wife. So now the wives are the wives of the church as opposed to just wives of men of actual human men in physical form. So the church ministering through the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, levels things out and allows these women to feel guided um, when once they felt alone um, through being um, left without their husbands once the husbands had passed away. And there are different forms of widowhood. Um, some people know this, some people don't. <laughs> Here we go. It's one of these situations um, where it's reality and the sense of reality that's looked at. So, again, on its different levels. A woman can be a widow, even although she's not a widow by her actual husband um, having died in physical sense. But some people know, well, many people know in the church of the term spiritual death. So if a man is dead in his sins, so to speak, let's say, 
a man goes and marries someone else. He doesn't really know what he's doing mentally. He seems mentally ill, etc. Um, according to the church and the belief in the church that he should be faithful to one wife. Now, if he's mentally ill and goes off and runs around with other people, this mentally ill state of his that he then <clears throat> produces these different fruits that are uh, detrimental to different people, including his first wife, for example, and perhaps family, depending if, of course, and again, this is why it's difficult, you can't just judge from the outside in, it's going to be like each person knowing themselves internally with God. But depending on whether or not he was called to do that in the Lord, or whether it was just, you know, one of these fleshly reasons, and that's something, you know, that each person will know of. And so if it's a fleshly reason, that's a sin. If it's not called by or called for by the Lord. Because in some instances, people are called into the ministry or called by the Lord um, to leave mother and father, as it says, even wife and children. That's a horrible thing to hear. It really is. And that's why even in the Catholic Church, it's so serious that some people who divorce can be completely excommunicated because you're not meant to do that. It's like so bad to do that. It really is. So it's not that it's completely unforgivable if it is again, as said by the Lord, that's calling someone say into the ministry or they realized it would, you know, they didn't mean to, but perhaps they weren't really capable of committing at the time. Perhaps they weren't mature enough when they first committed. Perhaps they didn't have all the boxes ticked of the tick boxes that were um, required for criteria to have a proper, full, valid marriage, right? So there's many different reasons to this and how someone can actually be spiritually, mentally, emotionally dead um, or even that they are mentally, emotionally alive and that they've been called on through the Lord. God into a different focus and they've maybe just realized and so they wouldn't need to repent in that that situation if they didn't mean to sin on purpose or if they didn't do anything like that as I say on purpose but if they are and it's a fleshly reason like they just decided oh they want to be with someone else because uh, their wife isn't doing as they say anymore or they don't really know how to get them to respond in the right ways that they want them to respond or whatever it might be then that is a sin because it would be doing it for debauched reasons that are self-satisfying only and quite disgusting in terms of using of another person just for flesh reasons and what the other person can give or do to them or for them rather and that's horrible so it just depends what the reasons are behind it but in any case the church is there for all these women as well as men and families so that was an interesting look at the first, I want to say passage, but the first reading there from Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Now, the responsorial psalm you repeat after me is, May your love be upon us, O Lord, as we place all our hope in you. Ring out your joy to the Lord, O you just, for praise is fitting for loyal hearts. Give thanks to the Lord upon the harp. When a ten-stringed lute, sing him songs. With a ten-stringed lute, sing him songs. 
May your love be upon us, O Lord, as we place all our hope in you. For the word of the Lord is faithful and all his works to be trusted. The Lord loves justice and right and fills the earth with his love. May your love be upon us, O Lord, as we place all our hope in you. The Lord looks on those who revere him, on those who hope in his love, to rescue their souls from death, to keep them alive in famine. May your love be upon us, O Lord, as we place all our hope in you. Alleluia, alleluia, Christ has risen, he who created all things and has granted his mercy to men. Alleluia. And so I'm now going to go to the gospel reading, which is John chapter 6, verses 16 to 21, all going to plan. Interruptions have been really quite lovely over the last period of time. They've been fun, they've been cute, it's been good, it's been interesting, and here we go anyway. So, the last reading is the gospel, as we say, and it's John 6, as I said, verses 16 to 21. Now, I've just highlighted a certain part of it that's in the middle, um, verse 18, and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. Take note of that take a little screenshot there of what happened okay and when even was now come his disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum and it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew so when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land, whither they went. Mm. Miracles. And the miracle of the wind is being, it's being put into context here. It's been brought into context by that being highlighted, not in a way where I've meant to as a human. It's just, I tapped the um, screen at some part and it just started to highlight it and it's again another miracle because it's like a, a maybe a tiny miracle a big miracle to some people it depends on your perspective but a tiny miracle in a way that it, this has been a topic of conversation and someone that listens in to me and um, knows about this as well so you'll be um taking this on board I think very receptively and probably asking questions about this in prayer right now you who know about this particular topic about the the wind I've taken a screenshot so you can see it at some point let me know if you heard this one and I'll show you the screenshot okay it did happen <laughs> it's here 
it's a person that I speak to and um, they talk about, you know, the power of the wind. I'm not going to open up into full conversation about this. But we talk about synchronicity with weather and how, you know, some people feel like the weather makes them better. But there are some other people that understand it in this type of a way that the weather can reflect not always, but a lot of the time, how they are feeling or energy within themselves. So they first notice the energy actually within themselves, the feeling that might be, the emotion that might be, or wherever it is. And then shortly thereafter, or very quickly in tandem, they'll notice the weather reflecting that feeling, that emotion, that energy, whatever it is. Back to this though. And it's really talking about the miracle in this sense of Christ walking across the sea. Now, there, there are times where, you know, we hear of him controlling, dominating different things, such as even the weather, the wind. And so it is possible. There are um, parts in the Bible that will go in depth about this, about how he calmed the ocean um, when they were out on a boat and he just was, you know, asleep at first. And I actually went through an experience like that when I was out on my own father's boat. I was out at sea and I just wanted to lie down like underneath um, the deck in that area. But I went up where everyone else was and a lot of men were being sick at the time and they were looking over the side and getting quite flustered or quite, you know, ill with it all. And I just loved it. For me, it was like mm, being rocked in a comforting way. And that's the way that I felt. Like I felt in tandem and sync with it. So that's why I probably didn't feel any discomfort about it. I felt that I was okay. And it's not to say that in all situations, I always felt that way. I've expressed other times. But when it comes to God being in charge and the weather and things like that, I um, often feel quite in sync and quite, not always comforted, but certainly like I feel a sense of I am comfortable with the overall situation and what's happening. Thanks to God. And I hope it remains that way. Anyway, this one in particular, Jesus walks on the actual sea. And I remember actually going out and it almost looked like I was doing that when I was um, out at air. But, you know, it's because there are different parts, I think, to the ocean there, to the seabed, where there are parts that raise up really quite high and then parts that dip. So if the sea's in just a little bit, you could have a dip. Um, and so you would look as if you're quite, you know, uh, quite a wee bit under the water with your legs. And then you'll go to take a step up and it'll almost be you know a plateau at a level with the sea and the seabed so it just depends how far out you go and um, what the levels are of the sand <laughs> and the ground so far out it can actually look like you're walking on the sea so there we have it if anybody's thinking of doing a little bit of um uh, a remake or a film with regards to this particular part in the bible your beach could be a location for you to do this quite well without needing a huge budget. Anyway, 
let's move on from there. This next one, which I really like, is the fact that, you know, not only did he walk across the sea, and they were afraid though, but then he says, be not afraid, they got into the ship, and then they were immediately at the place that they were supposed to be at. Does that mean that they were immediately with Jesus because they were supposed to be where he was? Mm. Or did the power of God transport them all to a, a set location? And it could be a little bit of both. Okay. <sighs> when we have Jesus, when we have God, sometimes we feel like we are at the set location where we need to be right away. Um, sometimes... There can be still tension, even although because God wants us to move on or God has a different calling for us, a different role. And so maybe some things happen, like I explained a few uncomfortable situations happened in the place that I was in. So some things can happen that are uncomfortable when we're meant to move forward, when we're meant to be elsewhere. Um, but ultimately speaking, even if we are supposed to be in a certain place and we're called um, to a place and we're in that and it feels uncomfortable, not through um, any situations like I had happen, but just in generally, general feels uncomfortable, like wherever you are, for example, then sometimes just calling on God is all it takes. And then you can be right where you're meant to be because you're in the love of God. And that is where we're all meant to be at all times, as much as is possible within this human existence. So join me next time on here on our Love Lighthouse podcast. I look forward to joining with you. If you want to leave a message, you can. You can figure that out. I'm sure it's available on Anchor, Spotify and also on Apple Podcasts as well. It may be available in other places as well, but I definitely know on Anchor Podcast it is available. So if you want to send a voice message, do so. And I'll look forward to picking that up. I shall try my very best. And thanks once again.